0: From the International Headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in downtown Murfreesboro, Tennessee, in the greater Nashville area, in the southern suburbs of Nashville, this is Making a Difference, and I'm Dr. Shelton Smith, and we welcome you today, delighted to have you along with us for these few minutes together right here every day like we do five days a week, and we appreciate you being with us today, I want you to know that little theme song that we use every day, Oh, Say But I'm Glad, it really expresses what I hope every one of us will move toward, we'll get in on, we'll just learn to be a rejoicing Christian. And in order to do that, we have to every day follow the Lord, follow the plan that He's laid out in the Word, and uh, that's why we talk about every day some of the things that we find here in the Bible, in the Word of God. And right now we're doing this series on the doctrine of the Bible. We're talking about what we have in the Bible. And the last two days we've talked about the inspired word, the inerrant word, the infallible word, the immeasurable word. And we're going to look at some more ideas today that describe for us what we have in the Bible. I've told you already several times that this book is not just unusual, it is unique, And it's something so very, very special. There's nothing like it on the planet. There's nothing in print that even begins to compare with what we have in the Bible. Now, let me just say right quickly here, this is Wednesday, and I do hope that you'll make your way to church on Wednesday night. Find a good church, get in it, have your family there. And then remember that our National Sword of the Lord Conference is July 17 through 20 in North Carolina at Walkertown Gospelite Baptist Church. And we welcome all of you. Come bring your family. You're going to be blessed in a great, great way. Four wonderful days of the National Sword of the Lord Conference. Get on our website at swordofthelord.com and check it out. Now, let's get right to our study today. And remember, we're building this around several key passages. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Not only that, but yesterday I read 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 and following, that says, We also have a more sure word of prophecy. Uh, verse 20 says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So, what we have in the Bible is a work that God has done on our behalf. He has given us His message, His Word, and it is, in fact, the Word of God. So, in addition to the points that I made that I just recited here, let's look at point number five on these properties of the Bible or characteristics of the Bible. And let me say about it that it is the immutable book. Now, I know I'm using some words here that may not be totally familiar to everybody, but it's necessary that we find ways to express what the Bible teaches us about itself. And we find this concept of immutability in the Bible, and I'll read a passage here momentarily, but that word just simply means not subject to change. Psalm 119, verse 89 That great chapter, the longest chapter in the Bible, that is all about the Word of God. I mean, it is so full of things that will be helpful to you to understand the Word. But verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy Word is settled in heaven. Now that's immutability. That's telling us the Word of God is a settled matter in heaven, and it ought to be a settled matter here on earth. There should be no tinkering, no tampering, no changing of the text. It simply needs to be solidly received, and it needs to be with us just as it is in heaven. The Bible says, forever thy word is settled in heaven. So whenever we talk about it being the immutable book, we mean it is unchanging, it is unchanged, and it is unchangeable. Now, you say, but some of these new Bible versions, they do change things. Well, I know they do. For example, the word "haima," which is the word for blood in the New Testament, sometimes some of the new versions translate that word as death. Well, now, let me just tell you, to say that it means blood when it means blood is the way we ought to say it. But if we decide we'd prefer to have the word death, Well, there is a word for death, but it's not hyma. Hyma is blood. And uh, whenever you say, well, let's just make it death, it's all about the same. Well, it's not the same. For example, uh, if you cut my finger with a knife and I shed a little blood because of that, that's one thing, but it's not meaning that I'm dying. You say blood, it's yes, you've been scarred a little bit and you bled a little, But that doesn't mean you're going to die. Death is a different matter altogether. And when your translation takes that liberty, they have just botched some things up. Same thing could be said in the Old Testament about the word man. The word is adam in the Hebrew text. And some of the translations make it say mankind. You say, why is that? Because they want to make Adam and Eve a whole race of people and not just one man and one woman. And so they add just a little bit to make it say mankind instead of man, and it changes the whole message that you have there. And I'm just saying... That is a work that men do when they have an agenda, and it's not something that you and I ought to put up with. We ought not to allow that to happen. You say, well, you're saying it's unchangeable, but they did change it. No, the fact is they may change a translation or something, but it does not make the change in the text. It is not the same. Whenever it's changed, the Word of God is still the same that it's always been, If it's different, let me remind you, my predecessor, Dr. Curtis Hudson, famously said, and some others have said as well, that if it's different, it's not the same. And it's not the same. So, whenever people change things that are solidly done, they are messing with something that they should not be fooling with. So, if it's not the same, then it's not the Word. And whenever you and I realize that we have the preserved Word of God, That is something we simply should not be tinkering with. Psalm 119 again, verse 160 says, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. So whenever we have things laid out so clearly in the Bible, and, well, we like to say it differently. We want to make it clearer. We want to make it easier for somebody to understand or whatever. All of that kind of stuff is just an excuse. I mean, People read the Bible, and in most cases, I mean, there are a few things that you might look at and say, Well, I don't have that figured out. Well, don't let that throw you. I mean, there's a little bit of that, maybe, but not much of it. And if you just get a little tutoring from somebody maybe who knows more than you do, you may even understand that, which seems to be complicated for you. But the fact is, Most of what you read in the King James text of the Bible is very, very understandable. And the fact is, the folks who talk about wanting to change it, I don't think it's because they have trouble understanding. I think it's the fact that they do understand, and there are things there that they just like to tinker with a little bit so that it doesn't quite put the pinch on them that the verse does currently. And so they like to make some adjustments so that it's more comfortable for them. That is not a good thing. And you and I need to stick with the text and just let it say what it actually says. So the Bible is immutable. That is, it is unchangeable. Let me say also, number six in this list of things, it is also the imperative book. It expresses commands. It makes pleas to us. It offers an authority to us. That is really something that ought to preempt every idea that we have. It ought to put us on notice. It ought to give us direction. And whenever we see it as an imperative, I mean, I read the Ten Commandments. We ought to see those as an imperative or a mandate. It ought to be something that we just lock into because God has given it to us. We read the Sermon on the Mount. We read the epistles. We find the Proverbs, other things. All of those need to be looked at in an imperative sense. And, folks, listen, if you tell me what you believe about the Bible, I mean, if you follow what I'm telling you here, that this is the inspired book, the inerrant book, the infallible book, the immeasurable book, the immutable book, the imperative book, if you tell me that you believe what you believe, I can tell you some things about you because of what you believe. I mean, if I know what you believe about the Bible— I will know most of the rest of your story. If you believe it and follow it, I can tell you some things that's going to be true in your life. I know where you're going to be come Sunday morning. I know where you're going to be probably the rest of the week as well at some various times. I can tell you about your tithing. I can tell you about uh, who you talk to and what you say and the witness that you have. I mean, some of those things, if you believe the Bible— If you sign on and say, This is the Word of God, I know that it is, and I'm going to let that be authoritative in my life. And by the way, that is one of the problems. Too many of us want to be our own authority, and we do not want to have any authority over us. And we resist authority, we reject authority, and yet the Lord is our divine authority, and we ought to yield to that at every turn in the road. Do you realize that when we reject his authority, we're rejecting the best that could possibly be for us? We are rejecting the best plan when we reject God's plan. Whenever we sign off on uh, his authority and push him to one side, set him aside, put him on the shelf, refuse to listen, refuse to take his authority into our life, I mean, that is just one of those things that really we are asking for it, and we are asking for something less than the best when we do that. So yes, it is an authoritative book, an imperative, and you and I should Receive it in that way. One more thing I'll mention here today, and then we'll do a little bit more tomorrow. This one, not only is it the immutable book and the imperative book, but it's the impartial book as well. That means it's fair, it's unprejudiced, that means that when God offers salvation, He offers it to everybody, red, yellow, black, brown, and white. He offers it to male and female alike. He offers it to young and old alike. He offers it to people in North America, South America, Asia, Australia, wherever else. He offers it to everybody. God is fair. He's impartial. He is, in fact, no respecter of persons, and he will deal with all people alike. Every one of us are sinners, and that being the case, we need a Savior, And the Lord has made that available so that every single one of us can have exactly what he offers. It doesn't mean that because I'm in America that I have an advantage in this regard. Maybe we have more gospel preached here than is true in some other countries of the world. But at the same time, whatever the case, whatever is offered, whatever the Lord has to offer to one person, he has to offer that for all. And whenever you read the Bible, you'll read things like, God is not willing that any should perish. Now, he doesn't say, well, I'm going to save just men, or I'm going to save just women, or I'm going to save just children, or save just adults. No, no. He says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I know there's some people like to say, well, uh, some people are elected and some are not elected. Well, all of that uh, sometimes uh, branded as Calvinism. It's really foolish talk. It really is heresy. It is heretical when people do that because the Lord is impartial. And that's one of the things you can say about his book. It is inspired, inerrant, infallible, immeasurable, immutable, imperative, and it is impartial. And that being the case— Whatever the Lord offers, He offers to all of us. His blessings are available to every single one of us. And I think every day you and I ought to be grateful that we have a Lord who loves us like that and who's willing to provide for us what He provides for everybody else. And what He provides for everybody else, He will give to us freely. Now, folks, listen, these are good times, and we're getting hold of some things here to learn that we do have a wonderful book called the Bible, and tomorrow we'll do some more on this subject. So, listen, I love to hear from you, and I hope you'll write me a note sometime soon. Write to me, Dr. Shelton Smith, at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at com. I look forward to hearing from you, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, God bless you. Have a good rest of the day, and goodbye for now.